0: exciting times in the crypto and NFT world as Yuga Labs raises $450 million in funding and the crypto market awakes from this months-long slumber. We have some exciting topics for you listeners as Tony and I dive into what Ethereum 2.0 is and its move to proof of stake. We hope you enjoy this March 27th episode, number two, of the Crypto Scrubs podcast. <laughs> What up listeners, episode number two of the Crypto Scrubs podcast. I'm your host Galen Ma, and I'm here with Tony Chang. What up, Tony?
1: Hey, Galen, thank you for that intro. I definitely need one for myself later down the line, but uh, for now, we'll go with what we have. Very excited to be here, excited for this topic because it's around the corner for us um, during this time in 2022. So yeah, let's, let's start uh, digging in. Yeah, exciting
0: times for everyone in the podcast. We got uh, Instagram set up, Twitter set up. We got a website coming out releasing this week. So keep your eyeballs tuned to the updates that we're going to post on social media and the like. Um, And thank you for all the listeners that we got. We're going to international. We got listeners now in the (laughs) the Philippines. How's that feel, Tony?
1: That's pretty awesome. I can definitely see this uh, turning out. To be more international, be based on being you know, we're online. So, yeah, thank you for all the
0: followers from the Philippines too for, on Instagram. That that's been a huge surprise to me. <laughs> you could say something about the Filipino community, right?
1: Yep, I guess they're they're definitely interested in what we have to say. So I
0: hope we give them the best. Cool. Well, let's dive right in. Uh, This episode, we're going into what Ethereum 2.0 is and the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. So let's get into our first question.
1: Um, What is Ethereum? So yeah, I have a very simple way of explaining Ethereum um, versus what I have here. Um, In my head, I kind of see Ethereum as just like another blockchain, um, just like Bitcoin, except they have another extra flavor added to Ethereum, being that it's a programmable uh, contract based. Um, There's a lot of automation behind that. And so I would say uh, there is some like more complexity towards what, you know, what Bitcoin can do today. That is the famous uh,
0: explanation by the famous Tony Chang. (laughs) According to a more famous person, Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum, is, quote, Ethereum is a general purpose blockchain. So unlike other blockchains like Bitcoin that is designed around one purpose, like digital money, Ethereum is an open platform that allows people to build their own applications on top. And because it supports a programming language, developers can have unlimited creativity in what they create on Ethereum. So in other words, it could be like a Bitcoin Bitcoin 2.0, right, Tony?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, Just the extra version on top. I kind of wonder when we talk about Ethereum is why Bitcoin hasn't transitioned there yet. But um, maybe time will tell Uh, if, you know, if it works out, maybe Bitcoin will have their own uh, smart contracts on top of their program.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Now we're talking about how Bitcoin can improve to be like Ethereum. (laughs) Whereas during the past, like since since Bitcoin is created, it's always how Bitcoin, what can overtake Bitcoin as the next king of the blockchains. Um, but now we're going to tr- see this transition of uh, so many things building, built on Ethereum, like NFTs, uh, DeFi, um, different types of metaverses entirely built on Ethereum and different
1: types of layer too. So it's definitely exciting times for the Ethereum network. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and a twist to that is, you know, let's just say Ethereum did establish this narrative of being the smart contract, the king of smart contracts and building applications on top, you know, because everything here is code based, right? The entire ecosystem is just based on code that, you know, Bitcoin could technically upgrade to becoming a smart contract themselves. And I think that would be very interesting once we start seeing the ability for Bitcoin uh, users to have their own DeFi and NFTs, right? And like having that type of extra liquidity on top. So that's actually kind of interesting where all this Bitcoin money that's being idle in people's hardware wallets could actually be utilized uh, in the ecosystem. So um, I'm looking forward to that as well. So um, this, I think, is just an early transition, I think. And uh, Ethereum is definitely leading the way in this space.
0: Yeah, uh, today's Sunday, March 27, 2022. And just looking at the market caps, uh, Bitcoin is sitting about $886 $886 billion market cap with Ethereum having uh, 393. So the amount of money actually in Bitcoin is more than double of what Ethereum network has is valued at right now. So definitely if Bitcoin actually has more utilization, just being than just being a store of value, then we're going to see really interesting things happening for, for Bitcoin in terms of just usage and also its price. Um, so bringing it back to what the consensus mechanisms and how Bitcoin and Ethereum operate, um, Bitcoin and Ethereum right now mostly are utilizing the proof-of-work mechanism to have a consensus protocol for validating transactions. Um, so, Tony, what is proof-of-work and what it's... What it's uh, what is purpose right now?
1: Proof of work is um, a decentralized consensus mechanism that allows a network to agree on transactions without allowing double spend. Um, computation and power is actually used in these algorithms to solve the puzzle to add to the next blockchain, um, and get and then pretty much you get rewarded after you solve this puzzle. Uh, with the underlying token, uh, for example being Bitcoin and ethereum.
0: right That's a interesting overview and I think a simpler way of thinking of it imagine if if I have a number in my head and then 10 people were to guess my number, um, the one person that guesses correctly is the will be the winner. But in ter- instead of having 10 numbers, there's I don't know however millions of um, types of hash, al- hash combinations that you have to guess. And that's how proof of work mining works. Uh, the miner or the computer that guesses that hash of the block um, gets the block reward and gets actually paid out in Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever uh, proof of work token there is right now. And I think a, a, a topic that came up uh, during this past year was how much of the Bitcoin network actually chi- miners in China controlled. Um, It was something crazy, like 30 to 40 percent of the mining from um, mining hash rate was actually out of China. And then because China decided to ban all crypto mining, that those miners actually had to move countries, like physically move out of China to operate. And I think because of that um, move, China actually lost a really strong hold on the future of Bitcoin.
1: That is true. Um, What's interesting about that move also is that, you know, no matter what the government does in a country, um, it really it really shows that the Bitcoin network is very resilient. Uh, even a government can't shut it down in a sense because you know once you shut down or you know the bitcoin network in china for example all they had to do was just move their you know data centers to different parts of the world which is very costly right it costs a lot of money they have to sell a lot of bitcoins for this but at the same time they were still able to do it and remain and the hash rate continues to grow today compared to what it was last year let's just say or, or very near future so um it really shows how resilient this network is. Like no matter what country you're in, they'll one country will deny you, ban you, and another country will open its arms. So um, there's that for big.
0: So with that, what are some downsides of the proof of work mechanism? And why is the switch to proof of stake uh, such
1: an important topic? That is a lot of talk um, amongst with proof of stake. Um, I think one of the, reasons, And the very simple way to put it is that people are having a hard time finding a way to scale their blockchain network, um, whether it's transi- uh, transactional or if it's just, you know, contract based, um, working with, you know, making applications on top of the network, I guess, sort of speak. So a lot of people are having difficulties around working with proof of work, and therefore they're trying to find a way to scale. Right. And in, 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 an, in an indefinite way of scaling, apparently, it's finding, uh, using, moving towards proof of stake, which has, is a very new technology today. Um, but in theory, it's supposed to be a lot more secure, more expensive to attack, and definitely uh, have a better way of managing uh, cheaper fees and, and just be able to scale for this huge wave of adop- adoption that's supposed to be coming in the future.
0: There was a point when Bitcoin transactions took about a day to validate because there's such a huge backlog of transactions for the for the Bitcoin network when we had that boom in 2017. Uh, during that time, uh, definitely the amount of interest overloaded the amount of, um, miners available to actually provide consensus on the network that's why we had I think it was about like ten thousand or twenty thousand transactions in the backlog just waiting to be mined for Bitcoin um, sometimes in sometime in 2017 2018 and another another um, instance that stood out to me was this during this past bull run with ethereum uh, nfts uh, some of the gas prices actually went up to two hundred dollars <laughs> per transaction, which is really uh, prohibitive for a lot of people, like individual artists, um, like mom-and-pop shots, wanted to uh, make their art available as NFTs on a blockchain. And that gas cost was so high because there was just so much demand for the Ethereum network um, and not enough kind of supply and throughput to meet that demand. So kind of downsides to proof of work, it's very uh, miners-constricted. And whenever there's a huge surge of demand, which there's always for crypto, um, every couple of years there's always going to be like a backlog and uh, times when the network is overloaded.
1: Yeah, I would, I would, I would say the whole experience um, that we went through with Bitcoin being very expensive and a huge amount of backlog, having to really upgrade the technology uh, code because you know what was it was just so expensive to use that a lot of people you know didn't like. Uh, I guess or turned away from it so to speak um, it, when it should be more like a huge like adoption coming in because of what it can do
0: but yeah I think for a going forward I, I want to reiterate like we're not trying to pump up ethereum and say like <laughs> all these disadvantages about proof of work is that um, I think I, Tony and I agree proof of proof of work right now in Bitcoin and ethereum is the proven um, secure and what most people have faith in. Uh, But I think proof of stake, just given the possibility of what could happen, um, we just want to lay the foundations of what's coming up next. And by no means are we financial advisors. Do not buy Ethereum. Do not go ape into Ethereum because of this episode. Do your own research. So that was a summary of what proof of work is. Let's talk about proof of stake and why it's important. Proof-of-stake replaces miners with validators, so that blocks are produced without the need for machines. Uh, Instead of having computational power to solve blocks, smart contract essentially picks who gets to produce the next block based on the amount they have staked on the
1: network. So it's literally skin in the game. Ultimately speaking, um, proof-of-stake is needed for the Ethereum network in order to scale and have cheaper gas fees and higher transactional throughput. Um, Currently, the network definitely needs to scale with its demand uh, compared to what it's running currently. Um, Some of the examples that we had uh, during 2017-2018 is when an application like CryptoKitty was created on the network, uh, it created a huge backlog um, and it really slowed down the network, which caused a lot of problems that we were able to see. Um, Currently today in 2021, 2022, the gas fees to use on Ethereum is extremely high for DeFi applications and OpenSea, like the NFT uh, marketplace. It's very exorbitant exorbitant right now. So definitely uh, in order to scale and make everything cheaper, uh, proof of stake is definitely needed.
0: Yeah, we're seeing this need time and time again to scale Ethereum, and because Ethereum has been so backlogged in these times of like um, hype and hype demands, a lot of side chains and separate projects like uh, Solana, Avalanche have been so successful because Ethereum has been so backed up. But if we improve Ethereum itself, there might not need. Be a need for for all these um, other other projects going on, although they are important to the develop to the of the entire
1: blockchain space. Yeah, and speaking of making this type of upgrade, this whole proof of stake is definitely something what we consider a layer one upgrade, uh, just on the Ethereum network itself. Currently, we are scaling Ethereum with other layer two networks like Matic, and I guess other like Cosmos or some kind of type of interoperability of networks. But um, currently, uh, proof of stake is supposed to uh, move beyond that. And I guess I don't know what's going to happen to layer twos, uh, but that will be very interesting to see in the future.
0: Yeah, it just makes sense for Ethereum, uh, something like Ethereum to move to proof of stake because of how it is designed to be an open marketplace to develop applications on top of. And when you need applications to run and hundreds of different applications to run, you need that throughput. And I think um, proof of stake is the first step to going going that direction. So some advantages to proof of stake um, related to proof of work, uh, it's going to result in a 99% reduction in energy consumption. Um, that's been a hot topic recently of Something crazy like it costs three hundred dollars of gas, like gasoline equivalent cost to mine an NFT. Um, that's one of the kind of taglines for the past couple of months. Um, conceptually, it's supposed to be more resilient to fifty percent attacks. So instead of owning the hash rate, uh, which could cost about like five per ten percent network, you need to own fifty um, percent. or more of the entire network's price, according to market cap, of the tokens in the ecosystem, um, which is about 10 times more, right, Tony?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, From my experience, I would say I actually have um, GPUs mining in my garage right now currently. And I'm actually paying $160 more on electricity per month uh, just to get uh, a good reward, I guess. Uh, The payout right now is positive, definitely. But in order to do that, I am paying out you know, usage of extra energy from um, my average of $62 a month.
0: Yeah, it takes out kind of this factor of you having to buy GPUs too, right? From like an AMD or an NVIDIA to actually get your hands to validate the Ethereum network, whereas the entire space is, is all about um, kind of insulating itself from kind of third-party um, companies,
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely right. Um, This network currently today is dependent on a lot of hardware to do this computational stuff with power. Um, If they can remove an entire um, computer hardware, so to speak, in order to run their network, I think that would have some sort of benefits definitely in the future because I don't think we'll have enough hardware to definitely keep up with demands of Ethereum network. So, yeah. So in order to become a validator
0: on the Ethereum network, you need 32 Ethereum to become a validator and have a chance at getting the the reward for for each block. So 32 Ethereum, that's a pretty hefty price, right, Tony? Now
1: it is. That's definitely hard to enter. Um, I don't think a regular Joe Smo is going to be able to own 32 Ethereum unless they they had a, a ton of cash in the early days and bought Ethereum at very low prices.
0: Yeah, so instead of anyone who can afford a GPU which could be around uh five to two thousand dollars, right? Which is which is um affordable. So instead of having to do that, they have to own thirty-two Ethereum, which according to the current market cap, it's about hundred thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a big steep and jump, right? Like I just need to spend ten thousand dollars in some gpus and hardware currently today and you know earn some ethereum over time and get started right away but in terms of trying to own ethereum as a reward in the future with 30 having to own 32 ethereum to stake uh that's a big steep that's a huge difference in investment wise and i would say uh it's getting better right definitely it's not like you have to own the whole piece of thirty-two Ethereum to uh, participate in owning a reward in Ethereum, but um, man, that's gonna turn away a lot of people. Um, a lot of people that's you know that wants to get involved in joining and really protecting the network or securing it in the future. Yeah. Now there are there is an alternative um, with mining pools and
0: also staking pools. So instead of you having to be a validator yourself, you can actually participate. With however much Ethereum you have into a staking pool, so whenever um, a block gets allocated or won by that entire pool of stake stakers or validators, then you can also um, participate in some of that reward. So that's it's a, that's a alternative just having instead of having thirty
1: two all thirty two ETH by yourself. That is true. Right now, currently on Lido l i d o dot com, um, you can actually be a fractional owner of a a staked validator. So you can join other validators and pretty much get some reward, a percentage of it, um, which is up right now, currently today, Uh, making it easier, right? So proof of stakes kind of makes it a lot easier for, you know, to implement, I guess, so to speak, right? Because proof of work requires a lot of knowledge on how to set it up, for one, right? How to set it up safely. That's number, number two. Right? You don't want to start fires in your garage or wherever. So <laughs> yeah. it, it definitely takes a, a less learning curve um, once you start staking, having to stake um, Ethereum. Yeah, it's also kind of shifting to this
0: all 100% virtual environment um, for Ethereum instead of having to rely on physical miners to, and, and having a, like a place like a garage or a warehouse to house those miners. Um, so kind of.
1: Shifting to a 100 virtual environment. So yeah, um, I definitely want to talk about a little bit about just like what's happening with the move um, once Ethereum 2.0 hits. For one, um, as a miner myself, um, GPUs will be on a fire sale. Right, a lot of people are going to have some difficulty selling them on the marketplace. And right now is ext- like the prices are extreme. Still, um, they're really the used cards are at MSRP prices for some of them. Um, they haven't gone under yet. But definitely once we start seeing um, this move, uh, a lot of people are going to have that fl- overloaded, flooded type of market deal on eBay. So if people are still interested in mining, uh, which I know a lot of people will be doing, is actually keeping on to their GPUs and just you know mining something else instead of Ethereum. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but currently it, it, Ethereum Classic exploded in price and the rewards to actually today is almost the same as ethereum uh, because of the explosion in price just last week
0: yeah i think f- with the move to proof of stake the the biggest thing by far it, impacting price for all those ethereum holders and haulers out there <laughs> the future of the imperium price i think it's going to very much benefit from the move of proof move to proof of stake if proof of stake actually become successful. So one of the main things that one when we're moving to proof of stake is that the mining reward for Ethereum will uh, decrease over time, combined with the ability to burn tokens and decrease the supply of Ethereum over time. So right now, if Ethereum is inflationary, more Ethereum is being created each time a block is uh, produced. But when we move, when we move to proof of stake, the Ethereum community can vote to burn Ethereum tokens to make Ethereum deflationary. So what that means is that over time, the Ethereum supply will decrease, get smaller and smaller over time, which makes the price go up over time. and. What people have been talking about, because of the move, a uh, decrease in mining awards and the ability to burn tokens, it's actually equivalent to having three Bitcoin havings all at once within a time frame of a year. And last time when we experienced Bitcoin having um, was around, I think, 2020. Then the price of Bitcoin went from I know, the low of 3000 to to 60000 Now, there's other factors to that, but each time Bitcoin halving occurs, there's this huge bull run because people are trying to get their hands on Bitcoin um, as, as much as possible. So I think given the past bull runs of Bitcoin, we could see something similar
1: with Ethereum. Yeah, can you imagine um, Ethereum having a parabolic run times three Compared to Bitcoin, that that's insane. That's incredible. That's it, it's gonna shoot the Ethereum price so high with its demand that's increasing and the number of supply of Ethereum itself, right? It's it's literally going to shoot the price um, way beyond our expectations for for Ethereum, and at the same time, this is gonna create a lot of volatility uh, yeah. for Ethereum. I definitely think. Even near its tail end of you know its life in the terms of the volatility, it's still going to be a lot higher than Bitcoin itself.
0: Yeah, keep your pants on for what's going to happen next, because um, you definitely don't want to buy at the top of this next bull run and get burned. So definitely do your own research. Do not um, chase whatever bull run's going to happen next.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's yeah. let's transition a little bit and talk about why. Um, we're not really going ape why why we're not aping into ethereum why we're not buying ethereum right now yeah so i think uh,
0: given all this deflationary news and we know that proof of stake is coming sometime in the near future ethereum price has been pretty stable Um, is because there's not much history of the proven nature of how proof of stake is gonna play out over time. Proof of work mechanism has been proven over multiple hacks, like two other networks. Proof of, the Bitcoin Ethereum proof of work mechanism has never experienced um, any major issues. Um, but other side chains like um, Ethereum labor twos, and there's there's issues every other, literally every, every, every month. So I think the main thing that's actually holding back the price of Ethereum is this kind of level-headed approach for investors of seeing how it's going to play out over time. So there's a chance that proof of stake is just going to fail because we just don't know what's going to
1: happen. That is the biggest factor currently today. Um, Ethereum right now, currently by Cornell University, was able to represent um two attacks on proof of stake ethereum right before their upgrade they were able to find out just a couple days ago on um wednesday of march 2nd 2022 wrote a little paper on it um regarding how they can attack the pos system and pretty much destroy the system so any attacks that can happen on ethereum network once they move to pos it's really going to shake the confidential or uh it's the confidence of you know it's security right yeah i think the the main
0: technological difference between proof of work and proof of stake is that proof of work you need to match that hash to get the block proof of stake is actually controlled by a smart contract um, that assigns the block reward to any random person staking uh, who has a stake in the ethereum network so there's actually a code vulnerability there. If that smart contract ever has vulnerability or is upgraded wrongly, that could actually bring the entire network down. Yeah, and
1: and not only that, but we, we're also seeing a lot of um, competitors for Ethereum right now currently, right? For one of the big ones are like Solana, AVAX, and uh, Luna, who are pretty much circumventing um transactional fees and its scalability uh currently they can actually scale a lot better than ethereum and therefore they're pretty much eating up ethereum's market cap a little bit but um you know time would only tell like who's going to survive at this you know type different types of upgrades are coming along so yeah yeah and the future of proof of stake
0: is going to be money it's going to be all about who has enough money And tokens to actually validate the network given the 32 ethereum barrier so if we're talking about um ethereum being about 400 billion market cap right now and if we look at the market caps of amazon and google amazon i think 1.6 trillion right so about four four times google about the same i think 1.8 just a little bit higher than that um the thing is that 400 billion in the grand scheme of things it's actually not that much money to perform a fifty-one percent attack, right? And I think the downsides of Ethereum and be moving to proof of stake is that the money involved uh, gets stronger over time as the value of the network grows. But at the current state of the network, because the like the relative market cap of Ethereum, it it's it's more vulnerable now versus the future.
1: That's a great point. I actually never thought of it like that. You know. Are, are is Ethereum ready, you know, to transition into proof of stake and going to you know thirty two Ethereum? I, I guess that's uh, yeah, that's something that we we all should consider definitely. The market cap is very tiny compared to where it should be, um, before it moves over to something more secure. Yeah, you could
0: say like Warren Buffett just one one day can just buy out Ethereum if he does really hate it or something, you know, um, with his with this fund. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Like, right now, even though the crypto market cap is elevated right now, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's very much like um, a smaller market compared to the wolves of Wall Street, as you'd say.
1: Yeah, there's there's another thing that could be a little controversial is that you know do miners really want to move? Do Ethereum miners want to move from POW to POS? Um, and that's a big question because they they have to also cooperate with the developers, right? They need they're the ones that are actually um, apply the code, I guess, so to speak. Um, and so you need both sides of the party to kind of come to yeah. an agreement. So this is definitely an interesting point where, you know, miners now are left with hardware, millions and you know, invested dollars of hardware just sitting there, um, not able to use it for anything else. Um, yeah,
0: that's a good point. We might see some push Ethereum back. 1.0 and then Ethereum 2.0 as two different networks. Yeah, right? that's,
1: that's usually the case where, you know, like that's what happened with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, right? They had mm-hmm. different, you know, theories of what they wanted with the technology so they kind of forked in a, in a sort of sense but i don't know if ethereum is gonna uh, a fork like that just because they want to keep everyone on the same network um right but it's i think there is there there probably is right now a, a little bit of clash with the miners saying you know hey, we we have all this hardware, like we can't just get rid of it right now. You know, it's just we need to at least make our monies back. So there might be a little pushback on Ethereum 2.0. And I'm pretty sure Ethereum 2.0 at this current stage is happy to push it back because um, of, you know, the security at stake.
0: Yeah. And according to conspiracy theorists out there, some say that Ethereum is doomed to fail because proof of work and Bitcoin's technology, Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator, is actually from the future. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could definitely add that um, to this podcast. I think that's very interesting to have. Uh, it, it's just my opinion. I, my opinion is that uh, Satoshi is he made it future-proof. He's actually from like the future, and he made Bitcoin future proof so he like knew exactly what he needed and that's why he made it proof of work versus anything else um, and yeah the, the biggest question and why we don't ape into certain things like Ethereum is because we don't know if proof of stake is going to be secure it, they're resetting it, they're moving away from Ethereum is moving away from something that works and currently today what really works is proof of work so they're gonna they're pretty much resetting their security and their entire thing just because they need to scale, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a lot of alternatives for Ethereum um, in order to scale on proof of work. But currently today, they, they've decided that proof of uh, stake is going to be much better than proof of work. Yeah, for,
0: for all the Marvel fans out there, I think we're actually living on a branch of the timeline. And the other branches don't have Bitcoin, and we do, so we're lucky right here.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and Satoshi X K and the Conqueror.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, and we we forgot to mention a lot of these things, but we forgot to mention that you know while we talk about a lot of competitors of Ethereum like Luna, AVAX, and Solana, the the big three, um, a lot of them disappear after the bull run right like right. For, i don't know if you we we mentioned that we were talking about this earlier we were talking about how eos was supposed to be the ethereum killer um yeah. but but they definitely disappeared right so they, they there's nothing out there for eos so and they never made it to the second bull run so
0: um, yeah every bull run there's a bitcoin killer and then a supposed ethereum killer um and i think a lot of people have been hyping on avalanche and solana and um uh, Luna, right? Too. Yeah. Uh, recently, right. So those three, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but usually, there, there's hype, and then maybe one sticks around. One one blockchain that kind of disappeared was Neo, right? That was supposed to be the like yep. the Ethereum China. for China. Yeah. Um. Well, there has been no
1: buzz, no mentioning of Neo for for years now. <laughs> yep. The, uh, it, I, apparently, it was too hard to use. they um, yeah. they' their code was just definitely too hard to use. And therefore, you know, it couldn't handle application building on top. So it kind of failed. And Ethereum Solidity
0: isn't actually too too good of a code base to use, right? Just from just my general feedback of listening to people and actual people in the development world.
1: Yeah, so that's what I hear too as well. I hear that Solidity is actually a code that's so new that it's actually crap to build on, um, the code itself. It's just too new. For, to build any type of real complexity, uh, real-world real world items. Um, so that's something to look out for uh, for Ethereum. That's why, therefore, we have a lot of competitors fighting for this space. They're trying to uh, fight for the contract uh, type of space, uh, POS space, right? Uh, which is kind of interesting because we don't see a lot of um, Bitcoin competitors anymore. What happened with that? They're all gone. Yeah, <laughs> Right. Bcash just sitting there.
0: Bitcoin Gold, remember? All these d- different Bitcoin forks. Um, I think we had a lot of payment-based blockchains before um,
1: that I can't even think of them right now, right? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that in this bull run, we currently never had any um, Bitcoin competitors, uh, which is kind of huge. We had a lot of Ethereum competitors this year or last year, but uh, we don't see any Bitcoin competitors. Uh, one that I do want to mention that was an interesting project that I've been following was Decred, right? They actually made um, some type of governance system that they added, but at the same time, it's, it's pretty much the same code as uh, Bitcoin, except they're actually based half. So they have half POW and half proof of stick. It's like a dual... It's interesting. It's an interesting technologies out there that's supposed to compete with uh, Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, what I've noticed over time is their hash rate has been dropping significantly. Um, people has been leaving the network and I guess they weren't able to gain that type of adoption that uh, other uh, projects were having.
0: Yeah, I think, I think over time, it's actually like investment in the space and also people say price doesn't matter, but it does. It, it gains more attention because of the attention, more people get involved. Um, more smarter people get involved, and a lot of new projects get formed because of that. So you got to keep both both sides of the coin here: the the technology part of a project, and also the investment and. Um, Uh, attractiveness of
1: of the project itself like bitcoin and ethereum that's definitely a good point i i definitely think that the price of a project or the token is important for people to actually invest their money in right Um, no one's going to invest in a token that's not going to have a long-term you know longevity of the price right if if no one's going to spend millions of dollars in a project to build uh, or to buy hardware, you know, to mine off their network if they know the price is just not going to pay them out or at least make them break even. So that's this, this is a good point. Definitely um, price does matter a little bit. Yep. So looking forward i think
0: a lot of people ask, should i buy ethereum which comes down to, to this question um so given like the risks definitely do not go go ape into any any one coin um, but that just speaking from personal experience, not meant to be financial advice. But I do own Ethereum right now, and also I do have actually allocated part of my Roth IRA to to the Ethereum um, grayscale fund. So I do have skin in the game, um, but definitely keeping
1: a level head going forward. That's definitely true. Um, I currently do also have some skin in the game to owning ethereum and at the same time i have a little rig set up in my garage uh, mining me uh, ethereum which is a great experience in terms of adding towards your passive income the barrier to entering um you know towards passive income is much lower than you know the traditional markets today so um, definitely something to look into whether it's a DeFi world decentralized finance or um just mining tokens um in a digital space is very interesting. It's very simple, kind of straightforward. Um, It has some research that is involved in order to secure, you know, your hardware from, you know, burning or starting fires, uh, which will add to your, towards, you know, the investment that you need to pay out, it's a cost, but it's definitely worth it. Um, From my experience, I have skin in the game in terms of having to uh, learn how passive income works in these networks such as like luna avax um you know uh, ethereum protocols uh, which is kind of nice and definitely be looking forward to what the future has for us uh because these are just very still early stages and sadly ethereum is moving over to proof of stake so my miners my gpu miners in my garage is going to be worthless unless i s- Kind of sell it early to in the market on eBay, um, but I'm hoping to keep them and just switch to a different network. Um, whether it's Ethereum Classic or if it's you know some new project out there that's willing to stay on proof of work on uh, GPUs and not just make it ASIC central. I think those are the interesting uh, networks that I be kind of I want to participate in in the future. And um, yeah, there's room for that is what I'm trying to say is um, even if Ethereum moves through proof of stake, there's going to, there's room for proof of work, right? There's people out there that are willing to invest in hardware and use power, electricity to, you know, power these networks. So, or just have the really good land party, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> guy Graphics cards. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely. also another thing to actually use graphics cards for graphics. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. So yeah, some resources, I think uh, this podcast, obviously our website that's launching, um, uh, this coming week with episode, this episode. So keep an eye on that. Also some other tools like uh, tradingview.com is where I track prices and charts for some of these tokens that we mentioned like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Avalanche, Solana, Terraluna. So definitely keep an eye, eye out for the movement on those those types of coins. Um, and also exchanges. Uh, uh, I, I use Coinbase Pro. Um, mostly, and also Binance US for trading. So definitely check those out. And it's going to be really interesting where we go from here.
1: Yeah. Um, some of the tools that I use currently today is uh, DeFi Llama for DeFi. Um, DeFi Llama kind of tells you about the market cap for uh, what people use in terms of like passive income when they want to use those systems. Um, it's it's a great website. I, I ch- highly suggest everyone to check out DeFi Llama. And also, um, I actually use the Winklevoss Twins exchange called Gemini. Um, I, I found it to be very low fees and easier to use. Um, so I don't use Coinbase anymore. I use Gemini. I use um, a lot of... I use uh, KuCoin a little bit. They allow United States um, citizens to work and trade on that. and It usually has a lot of coins, just like Binance. I moved away from Binance once they closed down to U.S. citizens. And, um, yeah, it's been very good to me these days. Nice. Um,
0: definitely that, keep your eyes peeled on our future episodes. I think we're going to talk about trading specifically, um, just chart strategies you should use, and also dig into DeFi, which Tony has um, extensive experience in.
1: Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. Um, I, I'm excited to a little bit to just talk about my experience in it. And I have a lot to say. I have a lot of things that, you know, my, what people can learn about DeFi. Um, numbers are not everything, right? They say, like, sometimes one example is they'll say that you can get 50,000% APR or APY. And actually, that's really, uh, it's a lie. <laughs> it's a complete lie. And so, um, yeah, look out for that in the future
0: yeah excited about this group the growth of the podcast uh thank you all listeners subscribe leave a review and all the platforms apple Podcasts, goes google, google's uh google Podcasts, spotify stitcher etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're definitely out there um definitely share with your friends
1: and appreciate you guys for joining in yeah thank you for um listening to this episode the second episode uh, please feel free to try to leave feedback on all our, our content um, it'll be kind of nice to know where we can improve a little bit and what you would want to hear um, uh, for our future episodes